everybody. You were listening to Limited Play Time, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Where the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And today we are talking about the big daddy of board games in 2019. I think as well as 2017 and 2018, sort of. Definitely last year was definitely the year of Gloomhaven. <laughs> and, and it's this gloomy. Year, yeah, and this year continues to be a year of Gloomhaven. It's a board game you can't get on Board Game Geek on the Reddit subreddit, board game subreddit, without hearing about Gloomhaven and practically every other thread. Because Gloomhaven is the board game that has everybody talking about Gloomhaven. <laughs> you sounded like Pert Happy. I was there. just gonna say that was such a Pert Happyism. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right. So, in case you have not been uh, tr- tr- trolling, uh, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. In case you've not been lurking or participating in the message boards on Reddit or uh, looking at Board Game Geek every other day, like Jason and I, uh, maybe you don't know what Gloomhaven is. So, let's talk a little bit about what it is before we go into like how it plays and you know what we like about it or dislike about it you know sounds like um, a good idea so gloomhaven is a massive box uh filled to the brim with all kinds of components for you and up to three of your friends to have a massive campaign style fantasy sort of um adventure right Mm-hmm. Um, it comes with a bunch of different classes of, of um, you know, heroes that you can choose from. Each one has a specific deck, and each deck um, is, like, very specific to that character and, and does things that other characters cannot do for the most part. Like, very specific types of mechanics, right? And you're going to be going through this massive spiral-bound book of adventures and working your way through a campaign with adventures that, like, link to other adventures and unlock certain paths, and certain paths will never be unlocked for you because you didn't do, you know, option A instead of option B um, at certain branching paths in this campaign. Um, And through all of that, your characters will grow in level and experience. Uh, You'll get new cards to put into their deck, meaning that you can do new things with your turns. Uh, You'll increase the deck that is used for um, modifying your, like, damage and, and, and whether or not you're hitting or not so that you'll hit more often and you'll hit harder or you'll do other crazy things like stun people or move them back or create elements that can be used. All kinds of different ways that you're going to improve your character, right? There's like certain legacy elements in this game, very light legacy elements, but they're there um, that allow you to sort of like change the entire map. There's like a big board that comes out that's just a map of the sort of like kingdom that you're, you know, roaming around and adventuring in. And you're going to be putting stickers on that for different areas that you can go to. Um, you're going to be putting stickers on your character cards and you're going to be like, you know, writing on a pad of paper for your character to, you know, write down how much gold you have and how what kind of gear you've got and what your level is and all this. Um, and so you're going to be doing this with your friends through a campaign of, gosh, I don't know, like probably like 30 to 50 quests before you probably completed the main campaign. There's like 90 some quests in the adventure book for you to, to possibly get through and that's just kind of like that's just kind of like the main core of the game there's all kinds of little like you know things around the periphery of like you know like uh road adventures that you go on or or events that you have and you know city events that you have and and they all have like a very like sort of uh there's always a little bit of narrative to them there's always a bit of a thematic thing to them that that makes them really seem like they are part of this world of gloomhaven and and really kind of sucks you in when you're doing those particular things and then in between that, you are dungeon crawling for the most part. <laughs> you would call it dungeon crawling. So, And that's, I think, kind of in a nutshell how I would sort of like elevator pitch Gloomhaven to somebody. The box yeah. is massive. It weighs like 20 pounds. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you know, like each dungeon you go into has uh, sort of like modular tiles that you put together, sort of like Descent, but the tile sets are just sort of like these colored, different colored, like, you know, um, shapes. And then they're, you know, like each each space on the on the tile is, is a hex. So it's like, you know, it's like a hex-based game. So you've always got like six different directions you can move in when you're moving around on the mm-hmm. board. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to move around and pick up treasure and money and, you know, hopefully not die. so hopefully yeah yeah do we want to go into more specifics about how gloomhaven mechanically is played jason um i mean we don't have to do a deep dive but i think the thing worth mentioning is that most of it is card driven yeah uh which i think is a sort of unique thing for a dungeon crawler yes yes this is the thing that really sets it apart from you know we've talked about how like we just talked about sword and sorceries like you know like a couple months ago right and the thing with that was like i had a real hard time differentiating how the combat worked in that game versus something like descent right and then when we got into it you were like oh well you know massive darkness does that too and it's like you're right massive darkness does that too like a lot of these dungeon crawlers use like the same the, the dna is present in all of them where you roll dice there are special symbols that activate special abilities and then there's numbers usually or like you know hits or not hits and that sort of a thing yeah and that's how most of the dungeon crawlers we've played have um worked as far as the combat goes mm-hmm. um and this is completely different because you are you have a hand of cards and when you play a card you're going to pick either a top or a bottom ability for one card and you're going to play another card on your turn and play the opposite so you play a top ability and you play a bottom ability yeah. between two different cards, right? And so you're always making a choice um, on, on your turn about, like, you know, several different things, right? Which cards to play and then which half of the card to play. And that's going to allow you to do your movement. That's going to allow you to do your attacks. That's going to allow you to do, like, anything else in the game that you can do other than rest, basically. Yeah, looting. Uh, comes from the cards. Yes, loot. Well, looting, if you end your space on a, on, a, on a loot, you can pick it up at the end of your turn. Yeah. But looting is also driven through the cards for, like, additional looting or, like, you know, better looting. Like, looting things around you rather than just right underneath your feet right yeah, yeah um so yeah that's all card driven you know like going invisible or whatever i mean the other thing i guess is gear right like certain gear that you have can allow you to do certain things like you've got an invisibility cloak you can go invisible right you got a healing potion you can heal a few points of, of health right um mm-hmm. and all that is driven either through the cards that uh you know compose your gear or the cards that are in your hand and like you know the bigger beefier guys that have more vitality are also going to have more more cards in hand uh, because your cards also are linked to your health. So you've got sort of like a, a health pool, but once that diminishes all the way down to one, if you don't want to pass out, you have to start throwing away cards from your hand that you won't get back. Um, and that's another way that vitality is represented through your, the hand of cards that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's an element that I actually kind of really liked is that in a lot of dungeon crawlers, like you, if you suffer damage, it doesn't really have a huge impact on your ability to perform, mm-hmm. uh, you know, actions. Yeah. Uh, whereas in here it does, it just sort of really reflects the fact that, you know, you're, you've taken a beating and your stamina is not as, uh, up, you know, up to snuff as it had been. Yeah. It also represents just fatigue as you're going through the dungeon too, because not only can you, can you discard cards permanently to, uh, mitigate damage, right. To, to represent the damage that you're taking, but yeah. also every time your hand empties and you have to basically like re up your hand, like pick the cards back up and put them back in hand. You have to either choose one card to discard permanently, or you randomly do it. If you're not taking a long rest, which is like basically right. a whole turn, essentially, right. You're throwing yeah. away a turn. If you're long resting, you can short rest and then you just randomly discard a card. But either way, what that's doing is it's representing your character getting more and more tired as you go through that dungeon so that you are able to do fewer and fewer things, essentially. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, if you were to ask 
uh, that would that would sort of be my elevator pitch actually to tell people like this is it's yeah it's a dungeon crawler and you can kind of have all the things that are associated with that but there's this other element that sort of makes it distinct from a lot of the way a lot of du- other dungeon crawlers play yeah definitely yeah like mechanically it feels extremely different from it does, yeah. the other the other dungeon crawlers yeah all the other dungeon crawlers <laughs> okay so um, how many times did you get to play this jason because before we decided to do this you had not played it at all right right yeah no yeah. i played uh two two scenarios. okay yeah did you manage to beat the first dungeon the first time no <laughs> okay okay so you've played the black what is it the black not the black uh, briar the the um I'm forgetting the name of the first mission, but yeah, you've played so that I... first mission twice now, right? Yeah. Did yeah. you beat it the second time? I did. You learned some lessons the first time, didn't you? I really did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, so who did you play with? Did you play with Dave? Uh, no, I ended up just playing by myself and playing okay. two characters. Okay, yeah, a lot of people do that too. So, so yeah. what did you think of it? I mean, like, I'm on record as saying Gloomhaven's great, right? I love Gloomhaven. Oh, yeah, it was That's on your, no like, surprise. top ten list. What's that? It was on your, like, top ten list of... Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what did you think? Um, I really enjoyed it. I And I didn't think I would like it as much as I ended up liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like... You know, it's no secret that I am a fan of, like, dungeon crawlers, sword and sorcery type things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm all about high fantasy kind of stuff and the adventuring and all that business. Um uh, but there were a couple of things about this that made me a little apprehensive. One is that I, I don't really like legacy games. Mm-hmm. I like campaign games and that's fine, but I don't like legacy games where you have to sort of permanently uh, change or alter game pieces or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, such that replayability becomes an issue. I don't mm-hmm. like that very much. Um, in this game, I still don't like the fact that like, that you permanently alter pieces, but I think the story and the playthrough is um, compelling enough for that to not bother me so much. When I, I started this game, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, no, go ahead. I had an issue with the same thing, right? Like, like I've played through Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and 2, and I just went ahead and, like, you know, did all the destruction stuff in that game, and, like, whatever, I didn't care, right? But mm-hmm. this was a game that I looked at, and I'm like, I, I feel weird, you know, like, like marking things permanently with a marker, right? Like, yeah. you're supposed to mark your prosperity level on the board when, you, when your town raises up in prosperity, and I didn't feel comfortable with that, so I used a chalk marker, right? Because yeah. I'm like, well, hey, at least I can rub this off if I want to, and I can, but you know what? After having played this game, for the last two years and and like you know it feels like i would want it to be permanent now like being this far into the game like jocelyn and i have played this game probably more than we've played any other game uh like collectively right between the two of us and and it almost feels like a trophy of sorts like where we're at right now i wouldn't want the progress that we've made to be erased you know right Um, and so in a way i'm i've bought into the permanence of this game more than I was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, like putting the regular stickers on the board, for instance, like they have those those special sticker packs you can buy separately that are removable stickers, removable, right? Yeah. yeah, to reset the game. Yeah. And I thought maybe I should get those. I was really, really anxious about that, but I didn't and I because I just didn't feel like waiting. They weren't in stock when I started the game. And we just started and then they came in stock like a month later and I was like, you know what? This is fine, actually. I, I feel okay with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I haven't been doing is tearing the cards in half when you do like a city event or a road event and it tells you to tear the card up. I just 
just have like a separate spot in the box that I call like I call it like you know like Gloomhaven Hell or whatever, where all the, right. the cards yeah. go to hell and and they're removed from play, but they are not destroyed. Just right, in yeah. case, you know, yeah. just in case I need those. Yeah. So I mean, my thing is that I feel like um, I feel like if I actually complete the entire campaign, mm-hmm. um, I don't see myself ever like going back and restarting <laughs> yeah because it's such a heavy lift i mean some people play this game for well you've you've been playing it for two years but yes in the number of hours i mean if it's something like a hundred hours at, at least, least. Yeah. I, yeah I mean i so i counted it up and and we've completed i think 30 scenarios now right um and and that's not how many times we've played the game right because we've done mm-hmm. plenty of like 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 the, the the first mission we had to replay that I think at least once or twice before we actually passed it and then I've replayed it at least three other times since then just to show the game to people right, right. and then since then there's been plenty of other uh, missions that we didn't pass the first time and we had to do a second or third time and that's not a very good way to argue like oh this game has great replayability and you know like great legs because you might replay things over and over again but like you know once or twice is not that big of a deal you know like playing a scenario once or twice doesn't feel too punishing and too repetitive to me anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and we've gone back and replayed certain other missions just because we thought they were enjoyable and we were looking to like just grind out XP or whatever. Right. Because yeah. That's in the, in the, in the rules, you're allowed to go back and do that just to try to like raise your characters up a couple levels or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so we've definitely gotten like an immense amount of play out of this game, probably on the level of like, you know, 40 to 50 times we've sat down and played scenarios. Yeah. And when you think about it, like each scenario probably takes us about an hour to an hour and a half to play, not probably not including setup. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we're already probably at that, like, you know, 50 to 75 hour mark, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, so it is a, it's a long time investment certainly. And it's also not cheap either. I mean, it's a really expensive game. That's Which is true. another reason why I don't like a lot of legacy games. It's like, I spend a lot of money on this. I'm not going to tear up cards. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> compare it to something like Pandemic Legacy, right? You play that game maybe 15, 16 times, right? Yeah. So you probably sit down with that game for, like, you know, maybe, like, 20 hours before you completed it, right? Mm-hmm. This game you're going to play for, like, we, we just said, like, you know, five times that amount, right? Yeah. So it, it doesn't cost five times the, the cost of Pandemic Legacy. So if you're just looking at this as an investment of, like, dollars to, you know, uh, like, hours you're getting out of it right our an investment in time in terms of enjoyment like spending a hundred dollars on gloomhaven to me which is what you can often get it for on amazon right is yeah. is not that bad like i think that the list price for gloomhaven is like 140 or 150 and even if i spent that much on it right i've gotten way more play out of it than i've gotten close to with twilight imperium yeah. and that's a similar price point yeah and and the box is packed with stuff, right? Like oh it's, yeah, I mean it's, it's brimming over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, like when you unlock a new character, that's so exciting to like you know like open up that brand new fresh box where you don't even know what the miniature is going to look like, and you don't yeah. know what kind of like what kind of character is coming out of that because all you see is a symbol when you unlock a new character, right? So yeah. there's all kinds of like wonderful moments of discovery in this game that yeah, also really keep cool, driving like, you forward, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like a a lot of games that are like this size, like the box is full of minis, and like this game, Gloomhaven doesn't have that. I mean, there's a few, but it's just the uh, the characters. It's just the the, yeah, the characters. Um, Like none of the monsters have minis or anything. So like when we say this box is full of stuff, it's not just full of minis that take up a lot of space. It's like yeah, full of stuff. (laughs) Like when you when you open up a Seamon game, it feels like just like a ton of really impressive at first glance like minis, and then not a lot else, right? Mm -hmm. This game is just like a ton of content that's going to get used. So you know we're talking about cards for items, like massive you know like amounts of items that you're going to be able to see 
during the course of a campaign, a massive book, right? Like it's going to allow you to have like tons and tons of different scenarios that you're going to play through tons of different like cardboard tiles for doing different types of dungeons, different types of tile sets and everything, tons of different enemies. And they all have like cardboard standees. So, you know, like they save money here by doing standees rather than miniatures. Some people are like, I wish we had miniatures for the enemies. But if that was the case, this game would cost $300, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those people, but I also realized that that would make the game way more expensive. So yeah, you, you know, that, that would put it into kingdom death monster um you right, know, sort of area yeah. in terms of price and and i think that that would then make it a boutique item that wouldn't be accessible to the masses right and i think that this game as it is is one of the best values in board gaming if you're interested in a campaign style you know um dungeon crawly sort of adventure game yeah uh, even though it is expensive you get so much with it and you get so much out of it that i feel like it really is one of the better values in board gaming yeah um, the other thing that made me a little bit apprehensive about it as to whether you know whether or not this would be a game I really enjoy as opposed to a game I just kind of like um, is the, the the actually the thing that makes it unique, which is the card <laughs> the card driven yeah, system. Because right. I haven't had the best luck with those. Um, the only one I can think of at the top of my head is Battle Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when we reviewed that one, I think I talked about how I was often very frustrated because the you know i was never getting like the cards that i wanted or even close to ideal <laughs> cards right or anything like that and i i kind of felt like i might be a little bit hamstrung um with the use of the action card system but i actually never felt that way well it's not random you know right like, yeah you, that's the and that's the that's the kicker or the, you the, can the, have complete control think. over what's in your hand at all times yeah the only exception to that is the um, the modifier deck that modifies the attack numbers, mm-hmm. and even that being a deck rather than like you know a set of dice that you're rolling for damage and, and everything, um, you you know you know as you move through that deck, you have at least a general sense of the probabilities that you're dealing with and how they're changing, right? Right. Yeah. Because if you've pulled out all your negative ones already and you're counting, then you know that you're probably either going to hit you know harder. Or, you know, you're going to get those positive numbers or you're going to get a miss or, you know, like something like that. And you're just going to whiff. But yeah, um, you you have a general sense of the probabilities of that deck, especially as you play it more and more, um, which gives you more and more of a sense of not necessarily control, but, you know, um, a little bit more control, I guess, over the planning, maybe. Right. Yeah. Like there's times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to attack these three guys, but I know I haven't come up with my miss yet. And there's only five cards in this deck. So get ready for this to be a big whiff, right? Um, right. Yeah. And, yeah. And we have those moments and they come up and, and so we can kind of plan for them, you know? Yeah. And and so it's very different from something like Descent that is very much luck dice driven. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah that's you, the thing too, a lack of dice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like you mentioned something along the lines of like a car, a deck driven game. Like we talked about, um... Well, uh, Battle Lore, but also the one that, um, the, uh, the Greek one we did. Oh, uh, Mythic Battles. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was another one where, like, we compared it to, to Battle Lore because it uses a very yeah. similar card-driven system. And it yeah, was the same thing true. where, like, I spent, like, two rounds just trying to draw, like, my last, you know, Ares card or whatever. And I just right, couldn't, yeah. right? So, I mean, it was the same, like, sort of sense of frustration with cards just not giving you what you want. But in this game, because the things that you can do are always within your control, and it's just whether or not they happen, you know, whether or not this punch that I held onto is, you know, stronger than it says on the card or weaker mm-hmm. or happens to miss, those are the only things that are up to chance, really, in this game. Yeah, well, that yeah. and what the enemies do because they have like an AI deck that you're you're drawing like you know one of eight cards for each type of enemy on the on the board and then you do what it says on the cards so right yeah a little bit of randomness yeah. there. 
uh one of the okay third thing third thing third thing that was sort of maybe apprehensive was i'm not counting but go ahead i I think i'm counting um was the you know you take a look at the box and you take a look at all the stuff in it and you take a look at the rules and you're like oh my god this Uh game is going to be a nightmare rule wise Uh (laughs) uh-huh and it's actually not it's actually fairly simple to play rule wise rule wise yeah 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 i mean it's not that it's not challenging or anything but like in well, terms of like what you need to know to play, it's really not that much of a heavy lift. Yeah, I I picked up the rules and was running with this game much faster than certain other games in you know in its genre or whatever, right? I mean, like compared to Sword and Sorcery, this is a breeze, right? Like Sword and yeah, Sorcery. Yeah, that was, was the like, thing that came to mind immediately. Was like, yeah. wow, this this is way easier to learn than Sword and Sorcery. Right, and and even compared to Descent, I feel like there's like fewer things that I feel like the stuff that. I feel like the rule set in Descent usually is common sense enough for me that I don't have to, like, keep looking a rule up over and over. I, I feel like occasionally with Descent, if I'm playing the full version with, like, you know, the Overlord and everything, yeah. there's some, you know, like, some some things in there that I, I end up referencing a rule book more often for. It's not mm-hmm. quite as, like, you know, just user-friendly, um, you know, from the get-go. But you also mentioned that the size of the box and the amount of stuff is intimidating yeah, when is. you're looking at it. And, and I feel like without a proper organization, then this game will always be sort of a setup and tear down nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I mean, like, there's there's really no there's getting no around, that. around that. Yeah. yeah, there's just so much in this game that unless you have like you know invested in one of the like you know commercially produced uh, organizers like from Broken Token or whatever, or yeah. you happen to have gone out and done your own thing with like Foam Core or picked up a bunch of Plano boxes, you know, like fishing tackle boxes or something like that to organize mm-hmm. this really, really, really well. Um, it's going to be a nightmare to set up every time if you've just got everything in baggies and, you know, like I, yeah. I just can't imagine the nightmare of that. Um, so, you know, I, I play with the Broken Token organizer. Uh, so you, you've basically invested almost twice the value of the game at that point. <laughs> like I think my broken token organizer was like eighty or ninety dollars or something like that. I think it was like eighty, and and like that was like I paid a hundred on Kickstarter for this thing. So I mean that was eighty percent of what I paid for the game itself. That's nuts, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like crazy. that's a that's a huge ask for somebody to have to do that. But I mean you could also probably get away with you know um, just some simple boxes that you've repurposed and you know a bunch of Plano boxes that cost two dollars from Walmart or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you could definitely get away with that, but you need to do something to make this game, you know, able to be set up in probably less than 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that to me, is, like, the biggest downside to Gloomhaven is that my wife would always love to play Gloomhaven practically any night that we both have the time, right? But it's up to me to set it up, and I'm just sort of, like, most nights I'm just sort of like, I just – I don't want to deal with that, you know? <laughs> and so what we'll do is we'll set the game up, and, like, we'll just leave it out. And then we'll end up playing it three or four times that week because we've just left it out until the weekend. And then we pack it up because maybe people are coming over or whatever. And then it sits on the shelf for another two weeks or whatever. Before we pick it out again. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But it's it's one of those sort of games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, regardless of the setup and the breakdown and all that kind of stuff, like I, it's definitely well worth the in, investment in, in both time and finances. Yeah. Um, yeah. To play because it's a heck of a lot of fun. It really is. I wish we were playing with more people 
because like each character when you create them gets like sort of a personal quest and it seems like a lot of those are tuned for like a three to four person party the quests, the personal quests are what allow you to unlock other characters and they retire the current character so you'll never be able yeah. to play them again yep. and that's one of the driving forces in this game is like seeing what is in that music note box and what that character is you know and what's in the, the crazy saw looking box and what that character is and so on and so on and we've had quests that are like you know uh, have teammates pass out and they like, like die in the missions or whatever like 15 times and it's like okay well that's gonna happen really 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 slowly when it's just me and another person right because in order for you to get credit towards that quest people have to like beat the quest you know yeah yeah um, and so we've seen fewer much fewer unlocks as far as character goes and quests completed because we're only playing two characters at a time i was talking about this with dave when i was out in boston and, and he was like oh yeah i didn't even think about that right because he's playing in a full group and they see unlocks way more often than we do so that's uh -huh. just one of the little criticisms i have about this game is you kind of gotta um house rule it if you really want to to kind of rebalance that like we were talking about like i have one character whose whose unlock is witness two other people uh retiring and we've still only reached one retirement in our party between the two of us <laughs> and so it was like well some people online were talking about house ruling that so you only have to see one person retire but yeah. we're so close with a couple of other characters that i'm just like whatever we'll just keep rolling with it but <laughs> one of my little complaints about the game is just that yeah. they didn't seem to think about that for for uh you know like like different party scaling so yeah yeah um there are is one thing that I think is kind of dumb. <laughs> and it's probably the thing, the same thing that like a lot of other people have complained about, which is the, the sort of looting system. Yeah. Such as it is. Yeah. Because it's sort of, it's weird because you're supposed to be working like as a party, but then the looting is all sort Personal. of individual. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to trade items. You're not allowed to train gold, trade or share gold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's very few situations where you can split gold up. It happens occasionally with, like, events, but for the most part, it's all, like, you know, like, attached to your character. And and I think I've read a couple arguments about why that is. Like, it's uh, it's definitely, like, a balance sort of thing with this game, but it does feel very odd when you're just starting out, right? Yeah. Um, once you get, you know, like, 10, 12 missions in, you're not going to be thinking about it anymore. It's just how the game works, and you're just going to accept it at that point. But mm -hmm. for a while, it feels real weird because not very many games use that sort of a, a system, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but, I mean, but overall, it's, overall, it's a big two thumbs way up from me. Hell yeah. So this is uh, <laughs> currently the number one game on Board Game Geek we just discovered uh, when looking it up. We didn't talk about the designers and all that, did we? Oh yeah, no, we didn't. I clicked off that. Okay, so at the end of the podcast, <laughs> uh, this is designed by Isaac Childress. It is art by Alexander Elichev, Josh T. McDowell, and Alvero Nabo. Uh, and it is published by Cephalofair Games. So I believe Isaac Childress owns Cephalofair Games. He lives in Lafayette in Indiana, I'm pretty sure. Oh, does he really? Yeah, I figured that oh. out. I thought that was kind of cool. He's a local, local boy for uh, my, Hoosier, my Hoosier brethren. So that's cool. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we need to keep moving here. So uh, we definitely approve of Gloomhaven. Go play it. Uh, we think it's awesome. They just had a new uh, expansion release, too. So if you play through it real quick, there will be more content for you. <laughs> See it on all the board game shows. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be talking about... What did we say? Uh, I already forgot. Oh, Race, Race for the, for the Galaxy. Galaxy. Race yeah. for the Galaxy. Old classic Race for the Galaxy. Uh, we're going to be going back and, and digging into that and seeing how that holds up in 2019. Uh, I've played it. 
uh, on the digital version recently, so it'll be kind of fun to go back and actually play it with the stinky cards and everything. So <laughs> the uh, stinky cards. We've been talking about upcoming Gen Con, which is still we've got five more episodes to do before that hits. But we're already making plans for Gen Con. Uh, we've started to plan out our events, plan out our days, and we've even started to contact some publishers to see if we can take a look at some stuff. Um, but we're curious about what you out there, the listener, would like to hear from us as far as Gen Con coverage goes. If there's certain things you're interested in us talking about seeing game wise or just certain events or certain components of gen con that you'd like to hear us talk about we would love to see what that is we would love to hear from you about what kind of gen con coverage you'd be interested in so that we can kind of tailor what we do at gen con specific to the audience that we're talking to um we've got a camera now too we might be able to actually do some video this year at gen con uh but no promises there because that's very time consuming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and but anyway, we got a lot of other stuff to yeah, do <laughs> so if they want to get a hold of us and tell us what they want how would they do so Jason alright well if you want to tell us uh, what we should be planning on for our Gen Con extravaganza you can email us it's podcast at limitedplaytime.com you can go to the website limitedplaytime.com you can tweet us at limitedplaytime or you can go to the uh, Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast Awesome. We would love to hear from you. Please email us. Please. Yep. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you in one week. Later. Bye. Bye.